Well, this, this morning is the first Sunday of 2010, and I could not think of a better way to get started this year than in a communion uh, service together, and uh, <clears throat> such, so from time to time we've had some services where the uh, communion takes up the entirety of what we do, and as well as just to examine our own hearts and minds uh, to make sure that we are right with the Lord in various areas of our life. And that's what we'd like to do this morning, pray for the Lord's direction in this. This is an idea of confession that comes from 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 5. And it's based on the simple truth that God is light. And if He is light, that means there is not a shade of darkness. That means if God is holy, if He is pure, there is not one bit of corruption, of sin, of, uh, of lie in God. And so the challenge of this is that we're saying that we're fellowshipping with God. And that's what it means to be a believer, is that we're sharing our life and we're following Christ. The challenge of this is that we're following someone that has no sin, but yet there is sin in us. And so confession comes to bear here. And this is what John is writing in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So this service is an opportunity for us to walk in truth. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to shed self-deception. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So this becomes the basis of what we have in common. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Now notice who's writing this. God is using the apostle John to write this. Notice the words he used, we. I think John is saying, I have sin. We have sin. If the Apostle John is saying we have sin, you better believe that you have sin too. I have sin. We all have sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so we're going to examine our hearts, and I'm just going to bring scriptures to your attention and give you some uh, questions to ask. And the idea is to not go into this thinking that we're really good. Uh, I've shared with you that godliness is not necessarily uh, the absence of sin as much as it is the abundance of repentance. The abundance of repentance. And so this is a time that should be filled, not only with confession, but filled with repentance. That means this service could create work for you. It could create uh, a desire and a need for you to talk to someone, uh, perhaps someone in this room, perhaps someone else that's in your life that you need to call and contact. Uh, perhaps you need to change some priorities of some way. That is a good thing. It is an opportunity for us to walk in light and walk away from darkness. And so I'm going to ask that we start this time, and I'm just going to pray. Uh, you know, one of the things we, 
we've learned in 1 John chapter 2, it, it talks about Jesus being our advocate, that he is interceding for us. And one of the things he prayed for, we looked at last week in John 17, verse 3, while he was here on earth, he prayed that we would know eternal life, which is to know the one true God, to know the one true God. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So it is an opportunity for us to learn to walk with God, to experience eternal life. And so I'm going to pray and ask God to grant us repentance, to give us humble hearts, uh, to help us to see sin in our lives, that we could turn from it and trust Christ. So let's pray together. Father, I, we come to you and we agree with First John. We understand that there is in you no darkness whatsoever because you are light. But Lord, we want to fellowship with you because this is eternal life to know you, our own one true God, and your son Jesus whom you sent. But Lord, to fellowship with you and yet have darkness in our own life, Lord, it just is a huge inconsistency. Lord, it's something that you cannot bear. Lord, I pray that you would grant us repentance. Help us to see if there's sin in our heart and our life. There's unbelief, Lord. Father, that which we're able to confess before you. Lord, do you know what we're able to repent and turn to you over? So, Lord, I pray that you would increase our faith in this time together. Lord, that by the end of this, that we would see how much we need you as our body and the blood that you gave represented through communion. Lord, that you would teach us how much we need your gospel and that we would walk out of here more dependent on your gospel than we were aware of before. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you will consider this now in time of prayer, and I'm going to read various passages and um, ask you some questions that flow from this, and then we'll have a time to think about this and uh, reflect and repent. So if you just consider this whole time together uh, a time of prayer together. So let me just take you first to 2 Corinthians 10.5. We're going to talk about sins of attitude and thought. Some of these will be put on the screen. There will be a lot of verses it would be hard for you to keep up with all these verses. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Are you often filled with unclean thoughts? Are you plagued with fearful or angry thoughts? Do you think far more about your work or recreation than spiritual growth and serving Christ? Matthew five twenty eight. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do lustful, unclean thoughts frequently occupy your mind? You watch programs or movies that stimulate improper thoughts and feelings? Or seek sexually explicit images? Do you often have thoughts that you would be ashamed for others to know? Do you have wondering eyes? Replace unclean thoughts 
with other thoughts that focus on Christ. Matthew 22, verse 37, he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. If Christ is your passion, your mind will be filled with thoughts of serving him. Do you honestly get more excited about work, sports, or recreation than about God's kingdom? James 4, 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Are you guilty of seeking God for more for what he can do for you than out of genuine love for him? When you get disappointed, do you cool off toward God in church? If so, this reveals a significant level of impure motive. Ask God to grant you a deep purity of purpose for his kingdom. Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Do you frequently sing the worship hymns without deeply reflecting on the words? Do you listen to sermons with little thought of immediate obedience to God's instructions? And sincere ritualistic worship is one of the most serious sins a believer can commit. Do you need to confess a shallow reverence and worship of God? Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If you're not focused on growing your prayer life and Bible intake, then you are not pursuing holiness. Revelation 3, verse 15 and 16. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Can you categorize your love to God as passionate? Was there a time you loved and served God more fervently than now? Only the Holy Spirit can grant you a burning love for Jesus. Ask that he would shed abroad his love in your heart. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you regard yourself as quite spiritual, often criticizing and judging others, frequently trying to set others straight? Are you broken over your sins? Are you just simply dismiss them by saying, oh, well, no one's perfect? Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do you tend to draw, draw attention to yourself? Are you often promoting yourselves while putting others down? Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Are you often filled with more doubt than faith? Do you tend to worry, fret, rather than trust God? Have you excused the sin of unbelief by claiming to be a born warrior? 
Do you excuse your doubt by saying, I've got good reason for worry. Matthew 5, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do you make a point of actually doing good to those who have done you evil? Are you carrying an internal catalog of grievances against friends or family members? Do you brood on the ways a spouse or child has disappointed you? Do you withhold your kindness because they don't deserve it? First John 2, verse 15 and 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and pride in possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You're barely tithing, yet pay enormous interest to creditors. And your purchases, are you more motivated by greed than seeking God's direction? Is your debt causing you to miss payments and damaging your witness? Do you lust for things? Who would consider you generous? God, you know our heart. And Lord, it is in the heart that you desire worship. You desire truth. Lord, if we are not loving you with our heart, then we are not loving you. If we're not loving you with our mind, we are not loving you. God, we need new hearts. Write your commandments. Upon our hearts, Lord. Create in us a new spirit, a new heart. Take us back to the heart of worship to you. Flowing out of our heart is our tongue expressing our heart. So consequently, James has some pretty difficult, challenging words. Who can tame the tongue? In Colossians 3, 9, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. If God is the God of light, there is not to be any darkness. Him are those who are fellowshipping with Him. God is truth. Our speech should not go counter to our God. So do we lie? Do we exaggerate to make ourselves look better? Are we careful to follow through with the promises, vows, and commitments we make to God and to others? Remember that God hates lying and inconsistency. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, it instructs us that we are not to grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. 
But 1 Thessalonians 5.18, instead that we're to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you often gripe and complain about the situations in your life? Do you fail to give thanks in all things and at all times? Do you make excuses for your grumbling by saying, I've got good reason to complain? Do you trust God for supernatural joy? Or do you give in to murmuring and complaining? Ephesians 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Do you tend to be irritable and cranky? Are you quick to raise your voice? Does your speech reflect an underlying anger and impatience with those around you? Do you speak unkindly to those in your family? Are you guilty of any form of gossip or slander of others? Father, I pray that you would bring to our mind those things that we've said, those barbs that we sent out, out of frustration, anger, our pride, promoting ourselves and not telling the entire truth. Father, the discontentment, grumbling, irritable tendency that we all seem to drift in. Reveal a lack of belief, of trust, that the situations, circumstances we are in are of your design for your purposes. God, I pray that you would bring to our mind these things that we need to confess, as well as perhaps people that we need to talk to and ask for their forgiveness. There are those sins of what we call of commission, those things that we actively do that is against our Lord. Some scriptures that speak to this include Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Have you committed or are you committing any form of sexual immorality, uncleanness, or perversion? Do you often dress in ways designed to incite lust? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, Do you not know that that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. The Spirit of God dwells within you and the body that he has been given to you. Have you abused your body through any form of immorality or excess? Do you sin against God's temple by harmful habits, such as alcohol, smoking, overeating, drug abuse? Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 and 3, in the 
Ten Commandments. The first one, he says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Have you broken this commandment by placing other things, our people, ahead of God? Are other things or people crowding out your worship and service to God? Do you worship God only when everything else is done? What would be that one thing that, if done, would make your life so much better? Is that one thing in the place of God? Do you spend far more time on the internet or watching TV than considering God? Have you placed your family ahead of God? Does recreation, hobby, or that of your children's take precedence over God's service? Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 10 God asks, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And your tithes and contributions. You're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It is disturbing that many think nothing of giving a 15% tip to a waiter that find 10% too much for the giver of all life. When it all belongs to God, we give not to tip, but to acknowledge that God is our God. Romans 14, verse 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Are you involved in something about which you have a nagging lack of peace? You're in sin. It's not something you're doing out of faith. God, you know our hearts. You know our actions. Father, how our actions betray our heart. God, I pray that you bring to our mind and attention that very area, that very action that you want us to deal with, to confess. You're calling us to turn from, repent and turn to you to experience your eternal life in that area. So Lord, speak to our hearts. There is another area of sins of which we call the sins of omission. Those things that God has asked us to do specifically and we choose not to do. James 4.17 says that whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. One of the life-giving commands of Jesus is found in John 15, verse 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
for apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you spending significant time daily in the Word and in prayer? Are you sharing your life with God and inviting His presence in all areas of your life? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. If we fail to consistently witness, we become responsible for the lost condition of those around us. Ezekiel 3.18, God instructs the prophet that the blood is on his hands if he fails to speak. Are you praying for the people you consistently encounter in your daily course of life that they will come to the knowledge of the gospel of Christ? Jeremiah 29, verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Green Pines Baptist, are you fervently seeking God? Are you seeking God for his daily presence and power? That is the thrust of this whole time. Are you seeking God? If you're not seeking God, you're out of step with Christ and this church body. Seek God. James 1, verse 23 through 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Do you often sense God speaking, yet you tend to delay obedience? You don't actually tell God no, but you put off your obedience. It is vital that you confess your sins of partial and delayed obedience. Ask Christ to fill you with a genuine spirit of repentance. If you sincerely ask, God will give you an obedient heart. Let us ask God for this obedient heart. Father, it is yours to grant repentance. It is yours to change our hearts. Father, your law, your word reveals to us your expectations. But all it can do is condemn us. But it is you who can change our hearts. God, I pray that you would identify in our lives one of these areas that we need to repent. And Father, perhaps maybe change our schedule, change our calendar to include the people around us and sharing with them and praying for them. Perhaps, Lord, it is to drop off some things so that we can seek you every day to make you our first and number one pursuit. Speak to our hearts about this, Lord. To walk with Christ, to abide with Him, it's not something that just remains in the privacy of our homes and our thoughts, but it is a way of living that extends to those around you. 
It impacts relationships. And there is also room for sins in our relationships. These are important. In fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Do you understand that how you treat other people is part of your worship? And that if you have not treated other people in a way that's pleasing to God, you cannot continue with any other aspects of worship. It is a part of it. Can you think of people you may have hurt or offended in some manner? Are you bitter or holding grudges against people who have offended you? Matthew 6, verse 14 through 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Are you involved in any improper relationships, adultery, or simply being inappropriately close to someone, sharing with others that which should only be shared with their mate, spending too much time with friends to the neglect of your marriage partner? Do you neglect regular fellowship and meaningful service through your church? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, Let us consider one another, how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You come to church and receive blessings, but then go home without any real fellowship or closeness with other believers. Are you seeking a church that will bless you without asking how you can serve or give in return? Do you avoid personal responsibility and spiritual service for the good of Christ's church? Husbands, there are instructions for us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 and verse 25. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, we are commanded to literally sacrifice ourselves to meet the needs of our wife. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, we are commanded to be very caring and sensitive to our wife's needs, including physical, emotional, mental, financial, and spiritual needs. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 It's a word to fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline 
and instruction of the Lord. Fathers are commanded to relate to his children in loving spiritual guidance, not in anger or wrath. Discipline is to be done with consistency, done with love. Are you disciplining your children with consistency and love? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, verse 33, there's words of instructions to the wives. It says, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The wife is to exhibit a beautiful spirit of humility, love, and honor toward her husband. Husbands, we are to love her. Wives, they are to respect their husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on of clothing. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Wives, in relating to your husbands, it's done with disrespect and dishonor, pointing out their weaknesses and faults constantly. Do you patiently forgive and treat them kindly in spite of your shortcomings? Do you ignore his needs and desires? The wife is to exhibit a beautiful spirit of humility, love, and honor. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, is words to parents well as to adults, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drawn, drowned in the depth of the sea. Parent, do you model excitement and joy about worshiping God? Do you consistently express love for Christ's church or a negative attitude toward God and his church? Parent, do you model moral purity by the things you talk about? Have you demonstrated holiness by the things you watch or read? Have you consistently communicated God's standards concerning sex and marriage to your children? Parent, do you constantly model honesty and respect for others? Perhaps we need to ask forgiveness of our children. Ephesians 6, 1-3 Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Children, do you disobey your parents? Have you treated your parents with disrespect or anger? Do you neglect your older parents emotionally or financially? Father, we ask that you bring to our mind that relationship that we need to repent and confess. And we pray that you would restore. God, I pray that you would grant us the humility and the desire to love you, that we will humble ourselves before another person, seeking their forgiveness and doing whatever it takes to make a relationship right with you. 
and right with them. So God, I pray that you would bring to our mind that relationship now that you would want us to restore by your grace. Why am I such a dusty window for your light to shine through? Why am I just a tiny star in a sky already blue? Why do I offer everything with my heart closed like a fist? I want to love you better than this Yeah Yeah Pursue me, pursue me, redeem me. 
Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper on Passover. There's something very significant about that, that was done on Passover. If you remember the story in the Exodus, every firstborn son would die unless a perfect lamb was slain and the blood was put on upon the doorpost. When the death angel was to go through, It would not slay that firstborn because a lamb had been slain in its stead. So when Jesus comes upon the scene and John the Baptist looks at him in John 1.29, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Lamb of God, he was applying, this is the perfect one. This Jesus has no hint of blemish in him. The fact of the matter is, if Jesus was here and all these questions were asked of him, his answers would not reflect any sin whatsoever. Do you see part of the big difference between you and him? You see, he lived the life you should have lived so that he would die the death you should have died. And so when I look at all these questions and I ask and I say, Lord, you see my heart, you realize, you know how I am away from you, how my heart is bent away from you. I also see Jesus, who was not bent away from God, and he offers his life to me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way. He who knew no sin became sin. That we might have the righteousness of God in Christ. And so when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper on that Passover. He washes their feet. Simon is a little bit hesitant about all this. And says don't do that. Jesus says, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no share with me. Peter says, well, if that's the case, wash my whole body. Jesus says, no, you don't need it, just your feet. Can't help but think that Judas was one of those that he washed. But then, going on, he institutes the Lord's Supper. Luke chapter 22, verse 14, And when the hour came, he reclined at a table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I've earnestly desired I've earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you that I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he gave him, given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after he'd eaten, saying, This cup, this that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so when we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we are making a statement of faith. We're saying, God, I am guilty before you. I'm a sinner. I deserve the death that Jesus took. But Jesus offered me his life. He offered me his blood. It is symbolized in bread and this cup. I do not trust in my work, in my ability, and my good achievements. I trust in Christ and his life. And I express that by eating this bread. I demonstrate my trust in Christ by drinking this cup. And I am saying to God, I'm saying to myself, I'm saying to everyone, the only hope I have is found in the life and death of Jesus Christ. And just as this body and this, this blood is becoming one with me, so too Christ and I are one. We share life before God. And so when God sees me, he sees his righteousness. He, says, he sees all those answers to those questions that reflected purity and not sin. And when he sees me, he doesn't see all those answers of sin in my life. He sees Jesus. And all those answers of sin, Jesus became and died that death. He lived the life we should have lived to die the death we should have died. And so when you partake of communion, you're stating faith in Christ alone. And you do share the Lord's death until he comes. And so not only are you making a statement of faith of your past, you're making a statement of your future that Jesus is coming again. Because he will not partake of this until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so we will set aside a cup uh, for the Lord as we serve. We ask that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can partake in this. If you have demonstrated this baptism, that you same command of Jesus to partake of the Lord's Supper is the same command of Jesus to be baptized. You've demonstrated this. You are welcome at this time to be a part of this communion. If not, we ask that you refrain. Do not make a statement of lying um, before God and before us. So this is something we do because we believe in Christ. We're going to ask now for deacons will come forward. We're going to have a time of a blessing. A prayer of blessing like Jesus prayed a prayer of blessing over the bread. And uh, Rich, if you will at this time pray that prayer.
And Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat of it. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jason, will you lead us in a prayer of blessing for this cup? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, we love you, and we just praise your name, dear Lord. As this cup comes before, before us right now, dear Lord, we don't take the cross in vain, Heavenly Father. But as we drink of this cup, dear Lord, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. Heavenly Father, his shed blood, this cup, this wine that we take, dear Lord, is in remembrance of that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we now have a new covenant with him, dear Lord. We're no longer under the old covenant, dear Lord. But dear Lord, now we receive the spotless Lamb of God, dear Lord, that his shed blood is for us that believe in you. Heavenly Father, we thank you now, and as we drink this cup, dear Lord, we ask that you forgive us of our sins, Heavenly Father, and that we proclaim Jesus Christ in everything that we do. And we pray.
Jesus said, this is my blood which is shed for you. All of you drink it. Perhaps there are some of you who may have realized your sinful condition before God, your heart, and you're realizing now what Jesus has done for you. How he paid the penalty for your sins. And you trust in that now. 